Hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Toe. This is Dr. Walter Aka. Hey, it's Leroy Horton. And Dr. Gary Dennis. So anybody that's watched the podcast or listened to the podcast for the past like five years knows Dr. Dennis. So we don't need to go into his history. We don't need to. He's a, he's, he's a guy. He knows. Everybody knows him. So we're so, not so, going to so go where into were, So where were you born? Tell us from the oh, beginning. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Start from the beginning. From heaven. <laughs> Start from the 80s and let's go from there. <laughs> but uh, no, but, you know, the reason why we're bringing Dr. Dennis on is because he's done something that's actually pretty unique in dentistry. You've worked with corporate. You've worked in private practice as a specialist, as an endodontist. You've worked in private practice. You've worked in corporations. And you've also worked with Medicaid. And that's the part that we're going to really focus on. But I wanted you to come on so you can give us kind of like what that looks like working with Medicaid, working in private practice, working with corporate. Like, how do you facilitate all that and how do you kind of navigate all that uh, to get the best that you possibly can? Right. Because in the end, it is a career. It is a job. But we want people that, you know, want that opportunity to kind of learn from you, you know, just like there's so many different varieties of different work. You can work for the government, you can work for, uh, you know, armed services. You can, like you said, Medicaid, uh, there's so many places, underserved areas, but you've gotten a chance to kind of dabble in all of them. So we wanted to get your opinion on kind of what you went through. Is that okay? Sounds good to me. My man. All right. So um, I guess the first question is basically, how did you get to this point where you were, you know, kind of working for corporate, you're working in private and also Medicaid. How did you get to that? Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, how I transitioned into Medicaid yeah. uh, was basically because of COVID. <laughs> so um, pre-COVID, I was working strictly uh, corporate dentistry, uh, no Medicaid. And then when... Um, COVID hit a uh, company, a uh, corporation I was working for, they furloughed like 8,000 people. And um, at the time, I was the regional endodontic clinical director, uh, and they dissolved my position, um, which is understandable because they also whatever. But I still work for them you know, as an endodontist, but I was, they dissolved my position as a clinical director. So they couldn't afford to pay for it anymore. Um, and then at that time, a lot of people's personalities kind of came out um, as far as like who was focused on health and access and who was just focused on money. Um, so I personally am focused on health and access. Okay. So uh some of the uh, offices I was working with, I had to uh, end our relationship because we not focused on that. Uh, so I ended up having a bunch of free days. Uh, so I then actually transitioned into picking up a couple of days at private offices, uh, which was which is cool, but there was a lot of inconsistencies as far as uh, scheduling. Uh, so I kind of got tired of that. And then I just wanted something uh, that was more consistent. Uh, so I looked into Medicaid, and there's a vast amount of patients who lack access. So I thought that was perfect. Uh, so I actually started working with another corporation just four days, like four to six days a month, um, that was uh, providing treatment to Medicaid patients. And that's all I got. 
Okay, so what what did you find when you got there? Because I've done some work in community clinics, and I know there's some, some positives, obviously, of helping people, but there's a lot of drawbacks and difficulties. Can you speak to those? Yeah, it's not it's not all rainbows and sunshine. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the the one positive is that you know, as far as um, feeling like you're doing something to help people, that's that's definitely there because there are tons of patients and uh, they all need help. Especially, you know, I'm in Houston. There's like maybe two, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe two to five in the Donuts and Fort Region actually taking uh, Medicaid patients. Other than that, no one takes Medicaid because um, drawback is that compensation rates are very low. Um, so uh, when I got to these practices, I saw that their ortho program was great. Like it, everything kind of was geared toward uh, being successful uh, for ortho, which is cool. But oh, and and the oral surgery program is pretty good too, um, because you know the sedating patients. So everything needs to be done um, prior to the patient's arrival. So all of like paperwork and finances and sense and um, contracting with insurances and all that things. It, it, it was pretty smooth. For Endo, that was not the case. Um, and I think the company only had one endodontist that they had ever worked with before. That endodontist is seeing like four patients a day. And I, I see patients. Uh, so uh, the, the real challenge in the beginning was trying to get the offices to adjust the schedule and do little things to ensure patients will show up, show up on time. Um, but uh, that was a challenge that, uh, the entire time. That, that challenge really never got, uh, got remedied. Well, okay, let's, let's kind of go back um, real quick to what you said. So how did you even connect with um, going into the Medicaid office with that company? Like, did you just call them up and say, hey, are you guys looking for somebody? Did you, how did you even get to that point? And what made you go that way versus just like you said, picking up more private offices if you knew, or did you know that you weren't going to be productive? So that so, was two-parter right there. So I, I, um, the private offices like wore me out because of the inconsistencies. Okay. So like, one day I go there and the schedule's full and I would be very productive. And the next day I show up and like only one patient shows up. And the offices didn't really seem to care mm. or like have accountability um, for uh, you know these patients not showing up. Um, and it like I just I just I'm like I'm not a person that can live on inconsistencies. I like things to be consistent and in order. Uh, I mean, I'm an endodontist. I do the same thing every day. All day. Right. You know what I mean? So um, that's just my type of personality. Um, so that wore me out. And then I, I like I was just looking for something um, that was going to be consistent. Uh, and I don't remember exactly how um, we got connected. Right. Um, I think I might have just went online and Pretty sure that's what I, did. I just went online and looked for uh, endodontic physicians, and I saw that one, and I 
called them up and I was like, hey, I got a couple of days. If, uh, when somebody come in, and they were like, sure. Okay. Do you so think that? I, do you think that um, like private practice doctors are kind of um, naive to think that they can do what corporate does, which is bring in specialists into the office and and actually maintain that specialist? Do you think that's kind of something that they wish they could do, but not all of them can actually do? Um, I think they're very very naive in that. And then I mean, even on the corporate side, because um, so let's say a uh, corporate entity um gives certain dentists either to be the lead dentist in that office or a owner doctor in that office um and then those those dentists will see the schedule and let's say okay we have a full day today then they're like oh well can we add another day (laughs) it's like just because the schedule is full today does not mean the schedule is going to be full tomorrow right and you're going to be consistent Um, Exactly. So I'm like, you have to have a trend of consistency for you to know that you actually have a patient pool to add another day. Like we're not adding another day. If I if I have eight appointments, eight, nine appointments, we're not adding another day just because you got three more referrals. That's not right. <laughs> it doesn't work. Okay. Um and then like can you do it next month? Can you do it the month after that? Uh so trends like I think um some of these dentists are not really looking at uh, like logistics and the trends. Like you have to have a trend to know that you can support it. Um, and uh, I don't know, did that answer your question? Yeah, 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 I should did. Yeah, it, it, it almost it, seems like people just aren't able to look at their actual patient pool and realize that, yeah, I can actually sustain somebody on a productive basis. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if I can do it one time, they can do it all the time. Right. It's not, that's and, not reality. And, and that's a double-edged sword. You know, because having been a practice owner that has tried to bring in specialists, if you don't have the availability, you can't build a schedule. So you, it's just always this fine balance of mm-hmm. like, all right, hey, for the first couple months, some of these extra days might be hit or miss, um, but it takes time to build. It's just like when you open office and you go from three days a week to four days a week to five days a week. There's a there's a lag period where that fourth or that extra day, like you're really not making money. but you know, when people call, when people are making appointments, when you start having that availability, it eventually will fill up. But people don't always have the time, understandably, to wait six months, wasting a whole day or two days, not mm-hmm. making any income, because that's not fair to, yeah. you know, obviously to a specialist. Right. Right. Yeah. What's so, the next so oh, yeah. So I was going to ask, <laughs> you mentioned, um, uh, you know, general offices. And one thing that I've, what's kept me successful doing surgery in offices is the offices that were okay with the general dentist not doing any surgery. So I do everything from the simple surgery to the more complex perio surgery. And as the simple ones come through my hands, I'm able to upsell, inform them, educate them on the next level. When you had dentists, are they only giving you the hard root canals or are they giving you all the root canals to keep you busy? So are you talking about in a, in a private uh, general yeah. dentist office? Okay. So that is, they're not giving all of them. Mm. Not. And a lot of them are ones they started and could not finish. Mm. The ones that they say like, oh yeah, I started that. And then I take an x-ray and there's a file. <laughs> so, and I'm like, 
could have just told me. <laughs> you know, barely, you know, not so not a surprise. I mean, you're you're in the office. You know? <laughs> um, and then other times, like it was, it what, what really annoyed me is they would think Endo Day was Endo Day for everybody, mm. not just me. Right. So I get there, and they're doing root canals right beside me. <laughs> then have the audacity to come and ask me about their root canal. Like, oh, can you come take a look at? And I'm like. It's not GPR. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not here to teach you how to do a root canal. I'm here to do it. No. Uh, so that, yeah, that was that's a little frustrating um, as well. Yeah. Um, what's your What's your conversation look like? I mean, obviously, you you know, we're going to segue into what you're doing now. But at the time when you do set up a relationship with a GP office, has your conversation evolved? You know, have you kind of sifted through all the BS, and now you're just like, hey. If we're going to do this, this is what I need, X, Y, and Z. Or or do you still approach with the, the niceties of, you know, trying to foster a relationship? So, um, I'd say a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially, like, it's a, it's a new practice. You really don't know uh, the individual's personality that well. They don't even know mine. Um, so it's kind of more of like a baby step kind of approach. Uh, mm-hmm. But then also... I let them know in the beginning, like, these are the things that I can do. These are the things that I can do um, based off of, you know, the equipment that you have available in the office. So, like, don't put this um, tooth that has a bunch of separated files and a post in it uh, on my schedule. Because, I mean, I can do the treatment, but it's going to take forever. Like, logistically, you know, I like to do hour appointments because I don't want to have a patient sitting there with their mouth open longer than, you know, like 45 minutes. Uh, so like, don't put a case that's going to take me two hours to do schedule. Like that's needs to be sent out to a private friend, private right. Friend, private um, so I tell them that stuff up front. Uh, but then, you know, the, the question is like, well, what do you want me to do? Like with the tooth before you get there, see the patient's in pain. Like, can I open it up? And whatever. And I say, Hey, you know, whatever you feel comfortable doing, do it. But right. if you're not comfortable doing something not right yeah. right i'm not i'm not just <laughs> saying I'm not, I'm not your safety bag <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of transition into basically breaking down the whole medicaid story for you okay and we're gonna start with one thing that a lot of dentists do when they buy a new office whatever is they buy all the brand new toys and put it in the office and then they sit and wait and they, they pray right we pray that we're gonna have the patients that we're going to use all these nice toys on, right? Medicaid, I feel like cannot do that because they're limited by budget or whatever it may be, right? Because they're very budget conscious. So can you explain to us what that looked like in a day for you when you went to an office? Did you have all the tools that you needed? Because you brought that up, right? Did you have, you know, mobile uh, x-ray units? Did you have a room that had an x-ray unit in there so you didn't have to transport the patient? Because you you take a lot of x-rays. So can you show us like what the day looked like for you when you stepped into an office and you got the rooms and you're sitting setting up? All right. So um, before I get into that, I do want to preface all of this with my Medicaid um, story, not necessarily have a happy ending. <laughs> so, all right, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I, I need to preface that because like, right. the things I say are going to be, you know, related to 
my experience. Right. And this and, is all just your experience. Yeah, we know that part. Yeah. And and Thursday was the last day okay. I ever want to work Medicaid again. Okay. Oh, like this um, this recently, this that this last Thursday. I, I put in my notice um a month and a half ago. Right. And yesterday mm-hmm. or Thursday was my last day. Yeah. Okay. This this is a fresh wound. <laughs> we need to we need some trauma therapy today. <laughs> it wasn't, but it wasn't like, like you know, it's it's like it's no hard feelings or anything like that. Um, it's just they they burn me out. Like I just I'm and like, we're gonna I, I that's what we're gonna transition yeah. into. Yeah. yeah so you've kind of told years. the story. You've told the end of the story. Now let's get back to the beginning of the story, okay. so we can right, so. kind of get. So now we already know what the end story looks like, but it's okay. Let's <laughs> spoil so alert. And like I already know, like there's tons of patients, right? Okay, good. Um, in a day, like, how many were you probably seeing in a day? Oh, um, probably on average about twelve, twelve to thirteen. Um, and normally, Sunday. you see about eight. Yeah, eight to nine. Okay. Um, but you know, some days I saw like fifteen, seventeen. Um, like it, it there's there's tons of patients, but so I get there. And um, I'm thinking that it's going to be similar to what I'm used to. I usually work out of two rooms. There's there's X-ray availability in both the operatories. That was not the case. They have one room with the X-ray hidden in, and then um, there's tons of computers in the office. But some rooms have two computers in them. Some rooms have no computers in. Them. Sometimes like, the operatory with the x-ray head in it doesn't have a computer. So I have to use a laptop. Like it, it I was like, I don't know who designed this. This is, <laughs> this is the most absurd setup I've ever seen. Like, why wouldn't you have one computer in one room? I don't know why there's two in this one. There's not one in that one. That the room without the computer, like it's it's completely useless. Like I got like I can understand how ortho, again, I think everything was designed for ortho. So I can see how ortho could use that, but like anybody else, like they need to like look at an X-ray. This is not gonna work. Um, so I'm limited to working out of one treatment room, All right? But you have then, 15 patients. Yeah, one treatment room. 15. I'm like, so like, clearly all these people aren't gonna get. A lot of these are just gonna be inconsequences. That's it. I'm like, logistically, this this just can't work. Right. Um. So there's that. And then, um, you know, I'm used to doing hour appointments. But <clears throat> the way that I usually work, when I get there, the stuff's already treating the plan. Um, and this is this is not the Medicaid office, other offices. Stuff is already treating the plan. It's already um, the financial arrangement has already been done. All the insurance things are not contracting, all that stuff is already done. So when I get there, I can do my console and then do the treatment. We can start the treatment. Everything's already done from the front desk standpoint. Medicaid office is not like that. And also, out of those 12 patients that I'm seeing, probably only five are actually from that office. Everybody else is from somewhere else. And they're there because I'm the only person that takes their insurance. Some people drove two hours, mm. three hours to get there, right? And then some of those people that drove two or three hours don't have a um, a referral. 
So now we got it. Now you're put your phone was at 10. We don't even have the referral. So I don't even know like what tooth I'm supposed to even be looking at. So now we got it. All that office, get the referral. Um so I'm I'm very confused right now because you said you said you started off by saying, you know what, with uh, OS, they prepped everything ahead of time. But why, so why didn't they do, do this? It? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why wouldn't you do it? Right. Because yeah. that part's the same, right? I mean, or similar enough. It's insurance work. It's scheduling. It's having referrals, paperwork. Like that's 90% overlapping on the venn diagram what's what's the problem if you want to get to success you do that (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly right so um you know after the first couple days working there i I brought that up you know this could be a lot more efficient these things were done and they're like yeah but like all these patients are not from this office so like we have to depend on patient in that other office to get us the stuff so um, basically, they're like, we don't have the manpower. And basically, more or less, that's what they're saying. You know, so I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So the schedule now isn't really a schedule. It's like a outline. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it could or could not happen. Hope, hopes and dreams. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. And then what I started noticing is they would, um, and I guess it's, it's a corporate thing to make. It looked like people are doing a job, but they would leave the patients who were not confirmed on the schedule and then just start double booking, triple booking, quadruple booking that appointment. And but like what happens when all four of those people show up? Right. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> so that would happen a lot. Um so it was like it like it. The, the front just um, didn't, there was a, a lack of organization. Um, and that, that kind of took a toll on on me as far as like being able to work because sometimes I was sitting there for two hours and nobody shows up. Other times, the two hour time span, there's eight patients. Mm. Um, so like, it's a, it's a real mental game. Um, but 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 Gary, okay, you're you're a specialist, right? You're a doctor, and this is for the people that are listening. You telling me as a doctor, you don't have the power to affect how your patient flow goes. I, th- I think because a lot of people assume that you have all this power just because you're a doctor. So <clears throat> I'm gonna say yes or no. Um, no, in the fact that I have no control over the schedule. I can give suggestions on how to make the scheduling more efficient, but the people at the front have to follow the suggestions. So like <clears throat> the saying is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it work. Right. Now they gotta want to feed in to uh my system, the system be effective. They're not gonna feed into the system and you know we we got um we got the defense at, at Colorado and we're losing games. Right, Coach Prime, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. Coach Prime can't shine if the defense doesn't feed into the. Suit. Okay, well, <laughs> so here's a question: So did they send you your schedule ahead of time? Because maybe you could have prevented no. a lot of this. No, and so yes, but then that means I'm doing the 
whole lot of work when I'm not in the office. Right. And the whole, like, if I wanted to do that, I would just open my own office. Right? <laughs> yeah. The reason I do this is so I don't have to do that. Right. I'm like, just follow this, just plug and play, just follow the system. So you give them a template of your schedule. Yes. And all they have to do is just put the patients in that template. Plug them in. But for some reason, they weren't listening or doing that at all. I mean, the, I think maybe in three years, maybe four times, they actually followed my system. You know, and we had $10,000 days. Mm. You know? Every other and, for, time. and for everybody listening, in Medicaid world, that's a ton. It's a lot. In, no, in, that's, you that's know. Very, you know, like these, <laughs> yeah. these are low. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you follow the system, you can win. You know, but, you know, they didn't, I guess they didn't, for like, you're not Andy Reid. No. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, that, that, but that's, that's a good point because you're an, you're an employee, right? So and, I'm, I, I, I don't, so I've never been a W2 in my life. Oh, okay. We're not going to get in the weeds of W2 okay, versus okay. 10 9, but you're not an owner. Correct. When you have your own practice, you have the, the power to say, hey, if you don't do my program, you can be gone. Exactly. And, and he'll he be in the office more consistently to see what the schedule looks like. Right. Yes. Right. So right. he's dependent on them to kind of do his his scheme or, or template so that when he comes in, right, it's exactly the way he expects it. Yeah. Be yeah. yeah. And, and so that, you won't get that. That can be frustrating. Oh, man. No, not at all. Like, um... Let's so... let's let's talk about patience. Let's talk about, you know, you know, so people think that, you know, oh, Medicare patients are tough to deal with because they're inconsistent and stuff like that. But I could say the same thing about any other patient. There are other people that don't show up. It's not like it's just a Medicaid situation where there's no shows or no confirmation or anything like that at all. Right. So what did you notice between like corporate, private and Medicare when it came to patients overall? Um. But what I noticed is that, I mean, yeah, some patients don't show up, but a lot of times the people that don't confirm, they show up. Like those patients showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, In the Medicaid um, office. Yes, they showed up. I mean, again, sometimes they didn't show up. Like someone that confirmed didn't show up. But the three people that didn't confirm, all of them showed up. You know, so like there's there's patients. There's a lot of patients. Um they're gonna be there, but like for a um, an office that doesn't take med, right? The one of my things is making sure the patient shows up. How you do that, in my opinion, is you make them pay a deposit to be on the schedule, knowing that you know I'm only gonna be there once or twice a month, so these appointments are gonna get should hopefully get filled up pretty quickly. So we want you to. Make sure that you show up for your appointment. So let's get a deposit. You get the appointment. Usually, people who pay money get an appointment will show up for the appointment. Usually, they got some skin um, in the game, right? Yeah, you know. But I also noticed that people who pay in full sometimes don't show up, right? Uh, which is really bizarre. But I guess it's it's a different feeling, like. You paid in full, like you can show up whenever you want. You know, <laughs> my money's my money's there, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. 
No, so I think that was the mindset. Um, but for the Medicaid, you cannot charge these people money right. because most of the time they're not even paying um, to get on appointment. So that, I don't even know how to even navigate that. Um, I guess their, their solution was double book the appointment, triple book the appointment. That's their solution. Um, but it's it's not an efficient so do you think that people that don't pay the Medicaid patients kind of take it for granted? Like, well, I'm not paying for anything. It's like, you know, whenever you give free stuff away, people expect less. Like, oh, I don't care about this then. I don't I don't think that's it. Okay. I think it's more of, um, you know, uh, these patients are, you know, getting services off of government programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that they're already probably either disabled or low income. They might be working two or three jobs. They probably just don't have the time, um, you know, to, to do what is requested um, in their schedule. Um, so they're like probably take, like, oh, take I days to. off, take days off yeah. of work, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so like it's a, it's a struggle for them to even do that. So, you know, now I'm like, we need you to confirm uh, 24 hours your appointment they're probably not even thinking about it. probably just like oh i have an appointment that day you know i need to do whatever i need to do for work um, to be able to, to get there or it's you know maybe it's not them maybe it's a child you know like i gotta i gotta take up a work i gotta do with the school let them know that so like they're just probably not even thinking about like oh i forgot to confirm okay. i mean that's that's what i mean <laughs> you know that's how i'm well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you no. saw the insight, you know, you kind of had conversations with people and I'm sure that's because that's what I kind of thought too. It's like not, not everybody has that opportunity to say, Oh, I'm going to go and pay for child support or pay for, you know, uh, someone to watch my kid, or I'm not going to be able to just take a day off because that that's money that I'm losing. And I don't think people think that way. They just think, Oh, this person doesn't really appreciate what they're getting from, from the government or whatever it may be, you know? Okay. So. Also, I would like to say, that um, you know, the I find that the American perception of Medicaid patients is, you know, Black History Month is, is coming up. The, I mean, majority of people, in my opinion, think that like, oh, all these black people are on on Medicaid and they're freeloaders, and that, that's just not the case. Um, the the vast majority of patients that I saw in that three year time span. White patients, and then what? next, the next were Hispanic, and then I saw some black. People. Um, so, like that's just really not <clears throat> the case. I know if you go and look up like who, like the racial demographics of who is taking Medicaid, Native Americans are the number one group that is a uh, allotted majority of the funds for Medicaid, and twenty nine percent are actually white. People. Um, and, so they, and they and they make up the largest group individually within yeah. that. Um, yeah. It's just they they get on us because we may be proportionally higher than our percentage of the population, but it's still they are the largest group. Yeah. So I just wanted to. Well, that that's out. that's no, that's actually well. Do, okay, here's a question: Do you think that uh, a lot of doctors, a lot of dentists, have a negative perception of Medicaid? 
Medicaid patients and the whole system because they don't pay well or because they just don't want to deal with those patients or, or, or situation with dealing with government, whatever it may be. What do you think is the reason why more people are not doing Medicaid help, specialists and GPs? I mean, there's definitely a negative perception of these patients, but I mean, the vast majority of the patients that I saw were very, very thankful that I was there to provide the service for them. Like, extremely thankful, you know, because they're like, no one can take my insurance. I've waited two months um, to get this appointment, um, and I'm in pain. Like, you know, they were, they were, they were all extremely uh, thankful. Um, but, again, the compensation rate is extremely low. Um, so I think that is part of the, the negativity that um, is associated with the patients. Um, give, give us an example of uh, some numbers on that so people please. can understand. So, um, well, compare, so pri compare private to Medicaid, number-wise. Okay, so it also depends on the location when you're talking about um, right. private and the you know the patient pool. Um, but so I'll just compare like one specific office that was a private general dentist office that I worked at that was in Carolina. All right, so my fee for a molar root canal was eighteen hundred dollars. Right? But I also did the building, so that but the console. The root canal treatment and the buildup are all included in that eighteen hundred dollars. Okay. Right. Now, Medicaid was probably. I mean, also, what I found out is that there's a bunch of different Medicaid plans. It's not just like one plan, and each plan has different prices. Right. Um. Um. But I'd say probably on average, the molar was probably around. Five fifty, six hundred dollars. Wow. Uh, the buildup is probably maybe forty dollars, and then the the consult might be twenty dollars. Right. Uh, so, so you went from you know, eighteen hundred to about six hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Okay. And I'm only and then again I'm an associate. I'm working on percentage. Right. So I'm only getting a percentage of that. Yeah. And, you know, and like yeah. Like I, so here's the thing about like with Medicaid. I feel like if if I own the office, I feel like I could make it very productive because there's such a vast uh, patient pool. But I'd be taking a hundred percent of the fee minus my overhead, right? As an associate, you're just getting the percentage, um, which is you're getting the lower end of the percentage, you know. So the the compensation is not um, favorable, but that said, I knew that going in to Medicaid, I already knew that the fees were going to be low. Um, and so, then, I, so I guess I'm kind of confused. So then, what drove you away? If you knew that the 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 fee was going to be low, so you knew that already, right? So you subtract that out of the equation. What actually said, "I'm done," like <laughs> because so, you already so, knew you weren't going to get paid a lot. The whole reason I did it in the, was because I wanted to provide access to patients. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only doing four to six days a month. My other days, I'm, I'm making 
a lot of money. Oh, also uh, on that, on that, I wanted to say Endo is not dead. Endo is not dying. Oh, we can have another well, conversation about that. You're not here for that, but I, I do believe it is dying. Okay. But that's another subject. Right. We need to have a con- we can have a conversation about that because so, I really think that a lot so, of specialties are dying. I really believe Endo that was not one of them. Just based on. I'm just saying. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Okay, that's 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 another. We'll, we'll uh, get on. We'll bring you back for that one. We'll have a conversation. Right. Um. Uh, so, but I already, sorry, knew that. Like, I was just, I would really just was like, hey, you know, I've, I've been working for at the time when it was I've, I've been working for, uh, ten years. Right. Um. You know, and I don't really have hardly any bills, so I was like, hey, I got these days. Let me go and actually do something to like really help people. And, no, so good about what I'm doing. Um, so that's why I went into it. It was more like I just want to do something that's going to be more um, spiritually rewarding um, than just monetary. So, but yeah. it, to answer your question, like they, they burned me out. You know, it, it's just, it, was, it wasn't the, the money, it was the lack of organization. Right. Well, yeah. so I got to follow up then because I'm I'm still trying to kind of piece this together. Somebody would sit there and go, OK, so if it wasn't the monetary aspect, why didn't you just go to like uh, Catholic charities or any other place and just volunteer your time? Right. Then you won't have to be upset about, you know, the because you could say, hey, because because I did that. Right. I volunteered before and they tell you how many people do you want to see in a day? And then they put on like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 or whatever it may be. And it's more relaxed an environment. People are still very grateful for your work. So why didn't you just volunteer your time? So you did it for free. Yep. So here's why, mm-hmm. because I'm doing work and I'm, I'm just not the type of person I'm not going to work free. <laughs> um, you know that to me, that's called well, slavery. But that, you get more um, spiritual. <laughs> you get more spiritual enlightenment if you just do it for free. Right? You're well, still giving your, your God-given who's, who's, craft, right? So who was paying your malpractice insurance? I, I, I mean, I still, I still was. Okay, so I mean, now that's the whole not, point. You're not working free. for free. You're paying to work. Okay, yes, but again, okay. I felt spiritually enlightened, if you want to put it that way. But well, how regularly were you doing this? I was doing it once a week, so four times a month. Really? Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot, brother. Yeah, I know. You're volunteering four I, days I, yeah. a month? Yes, yes. And, my, and then when my kid was born, then I just had a I switched to volunteer my time at swim classes and stuff like that. So okay. I'm still paying I'm still sounds paying, like he was I'm still, still paying to work. <laughs> sounds like you were running from something. No, <laughs> no, no. It, yeah. He's trying to run to the to to you know, try, try to get, get to the pearly gates. Like, but, you know, <laughs> but you know what I will say. <laughs> but you know what I will say though. It was that was also after I paid my student loan off. So, so I was just you know I was just kind of like okay my student loans paid off right. I, I like he said when you work in with 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 different companies or whatever it may be you get paid well enough. So after a while you kind of sit there and say well, how much money do you really need right? And then the days that I was off I was okay let me go and it was I'll, I'll be honest with you just like whenever I um go to like uh when I do uh, um a uh, mission trip. That kind of rejuvenates you to deal with all the BS that you deal with when people pay you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, it was more of like a rejuvenation situation. And it wasn't that hard. It was literally like I would see maybe six, seven patients in that day when I'm used to seeing a, a double that. 
if not triple. You see what I mean? So the stress level was not there. And I thought that people were more grateful when you just came and said, hey, I'm going to give you my service for free or me paying to, to go <laughs> give the service. You see what yeah. I'm saying? And so that was kind of why, I mean, if anybody says, okay, you know, Dr. Dennis, you were talking about, hey, this is fulfilling for me, then why don't you just do it for free? So, I mean, that is something that I could have done and looked into, um, right. but just not what I chose. No, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, no one's no one's yeah. you know attacking. I'm just saying that that's another thing that someone might think of and say, "Well, why didn't you just do it for free?" I could. I mean, yeah. I guess I could have done that. Right. Um, but what well, was guess. it more? Was it more the money, or was it as you said, the disorganization, the lack of structure that burned you out? It's a lack of structure. Like the money. Like again, like I don't. The yeah. money. Like just. I mean, oh man, there's one insurance. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a Medicaid insurance. It was a it was a DMO. And the premolar root canal is eighty dollars. <laughs> eighty dollars. Like and you know, I would get your is, your your instruments yeah. to do the the procedure is probably how much? Like a hundred. Oh, it, it costs way more. Yo, that's like, them so telling you I could not pay you, but I'm just trying to flex on you, so here's eighty dollars. I could technically just not so, pay you though. So technically, <laughs> technically, you actually paid to do that work. I, I yes, 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 yes. So you did so, volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is okay. So so you're they overbook you, um, they underpay you or under reimburse you. I'll put it that way. And then as far as equipment, because you already described the facilities, how about your equipment? Did you have to bring your own equipment? Did, have, did they have microscopes? How did that look? So the the draw was that I did get a daily minimum um, mm. to show up, and I didn't have to bring anything. Mm. Uh, they had supplied all the equipment except for, like, I had to bring my loops, and I had to bring my um, heated plugger and uh, backfill because they didn't have that. Those are really the oh, and I had to bring some offices. I had to bring my own. Your own what? Face shield. Okay. Um, but that was it. That's like I I could just more or less just show up. Okay. Um, and and then um and then what they did was they gave me a uh, they have like a, a website that they use to order supplies and they just gave me a code and they were like order whatever you need off of that and they paid for it. Granted. Sometimes they're like, do you really need this? Do you really need that? <laughs> but, but more or less, they, they gave me everything that was pretty uh, sufficient to provide the service. I just need a, a gentle wave uh, unit real quick. <laughs> I'm just going to order that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and what's crazy, too, is that the, each office only had one um, endo motor, like the, the ProMark, mm -hmm. um, but just one. So... If sometimes there were there, the general dentist might be doing a root canal also, there's only one motor, so then they weren't doing the root canal. Mm. But, yeah. So, okay, so we got to always find positives in something, right? <laughs> and the positive is they provided you with as much as they could, correct? Right? So, that's a positive. So I, that's yeah, a positive. So, I can just show up and, and do my what thing. about What about assistance? How well were they trained? Did they give you assistants that were qualified or were capable 
And, and how did you see that whole dynamic with the, with your assistants? So um, when I was doing going through the interview process, it asked me um, if I had um, and I did. I had two. And um, so they what they did was I asked both my assistants, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go work with these people four days a month. Do you want to come work with me? They both said, sure. Um, so the, the company hired them. Um, so the company paid their wages or whatever. Um, but I already had two assistants that work with me. So they know the system, you know, so we could, you know, get in there and just kind of rock and roll. Um, but after about, I think it was the second year, one of my assistants, um, she, she quit, um, and she was going back to school, uh, to do like uh, early childhood development. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, that's great. So now I'm down to one assistant. They would provide a second assistant, mm-hmm. um, but it was never, it was probably like four or five different people show up um, random, not I'm say random, but like it was, it was not consistently the same person, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a group of people. It seemed to be uh, out of those five people, one of them would come. And I think two of them we trained they were, seemed like they were coming more often. Uh, we trained to uh, work chairside with them. The other ones, um, you know, weren't. I wasn't going to waste my time training them. Um, so basically, we would just have them do um, X-rays uh, for the consults, and then my other assistant was with me. She would always do uh, work chairside with them. Okay. Now, is that? Do you feel like? you were doing compromised work and not, not to put it out there that you weren't doing good work, but obviously when you have a good system, when you got supplies, when you have good assistance, you could do your best work was part of your frustration that, listen, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do really good quality work on these people that need it. And you guys are not helping me. Was it that type of frustration? No. Um, I, I do high quality work all the time. Um, so that, that was not, and again, they, basically provided me with everything I needed. I mean, I had to um, use different file systems that I normally use, but um, you know, again, I'm, I'm an endodontist practicing for years. Um, so I can use any file system. Um, I just have to see the files and adjust it to work the way that I work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, I mean, that, I'm just, I was still rocking out amazing cases. <laughs> well, so he, he, so I, th- I think people will listen to this and go, well, okay, how could you say you went, you worked one hour, every hour you saw one patient, right? And now you've seen two, three, possibly four in that hour. How could the quality of work still be the same? Or did you have to give up on not seeing those patients? Does that make so, sense? So how do you equate for that? So um, this goes back to the control thing. So um, the front desk controls who gets put on the schedule, but I control who I'm seeing mm-hmm. and how long I'm seeing them and when I'm going to see them. So uh, for me, once I start treatment, I don't leave that room until I finish. Mm-hmm. So if you have three people there, two are consults, one is treatment, and they're all there at 10 a.m., what I tell them is, or the assistants, I was like, let's get the two or let's do the consult and everybody first. 
right? Then it's going to, for the treatment, now they have to contract all that stuff. That's going to take another 20 minutes while we're waiting. While we're waiting, we can do the two consults on the other two people. Then start the treatment. When we start the treatment, we're not seeing anybody for 35, 40 minutes while I do that treatment. Once that's completed, then we can go do the consults. Now, what happened a lot is we had that other second assistant. They don't really know the system. So I'm halfway through a treatment and they're like, oh, there's a consult in room uh, six and in room seven. And I'm like, I'm in treatment. They got to wait. So now they have to wait until I finish that treatment. Then I go to those consults. And now it's 11 o'clock and there's three more patients. So then I do those consults. And now we're 30 minutes behind. Then it happens again. Mm-hmm. Hour later, now we're an hour behind. It happens again. Now we're an hour and a half behind. Um, so that is what takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I like to be on time. Right. And but like the way the system is, we're never going to be on time. And I even got to a point where if I saw a patient later in the day, like say it's like three o'clock. And they're like, well, um, somebody need the treatment. Are we gonna do the treatment today? And I'm like, no, we don't have the time to do it because I have these other treatments I have to do. Uh, so you're gonna have to be scheduled for the treatment, but I would advise you to come in the morning. First appointment is 9 a.m. Be the 9 a.m. patient, or be the 9 a.m. patient, because if you're not, you're going to be waiting. You're waiting. <laughs> you know? So, like, yeah. And that's, and that's part of service, right? And I think, uh, you know, there's obviously the the quality of cases part, which, you know, you, you've addressed. But part of your general service is, in, in my mind anyway, I don't like the notion under my name, people coming and having to wait an hour outside before they even get seated, then it's another 20 minutes before I get to them. Like you want your reputation, your kind of full package of service to include, hey, if I if I took off the morning and I got to get back to work, I can predictably come, get this consult, get out, go back and do my job, right? And I, I could definitely see where that would, that would take a toll on you. Um, I will say this, though. a lot of the patients were very um, accommodating and um, the and the way the offices are, most of them, it's it's like they're open operatories mm-hmm. with like two walls, you know. Um, so like if you're, which I personally um, I'm a little confused about as far as like HIPAA, but you know if you you can see if you turn around, you can see patient on the you know behind you because there's no. Just like the privacy walls, walls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only room that had a door was the, the treatment room. Uh, so, like, the patients can see me running around, <laughs> like, going from here, going from there, going there. And a lot of patients commented, like, man, you're really, really working hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> running around all over. So, so they know um, you're not just drinking coffee in the back. <laughs> exactly. I'm not playing video games on my phone. Right. You know? right. <laughs> like, they can physically see that I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to see everybody. You know, um, so that I mean, that was one positive is patients were accommodating. Um, yeah. I mean, but granted, you know, there are there were some that were like, I'm waiting two hours, and I, you know, and I'm like, and I'm worried yeah. it's 9 a.m. 
You, you know that always has surprised me the the whole privacy and and HIPAA because even in residency where it's like very open operatories and you're going over you know patients <clears throat> CD4 count viral load their medication list you know oh, are you still taking the Cialis <laughs> and people right next to you can hear that and I so I always try to just get very close to the patient when I'm doing health histories and just kind of talk like this because right. I wouldn't want my business out there right. <laughs> <laughs> then you can hear the like say there's I don't know the hygienist is working on a patient right you can hear their whole conversation con yep yeah. you know and you're like oh and the patient's having <laughs> Some crazy stuff. And like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's what that's when I turn my music up a little louder. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, okay. Oh my god! There was this one time this guy was talking about um, his man trips to um, I think it was Thailand or something. Oh Jesus! Uh, I know where this is going. Right. right. I had to, I actually I, and I was in treatment on a woman treating a woman, and I actually had to stop. And go over there, and I was like, "Look, man, he can, everybody can hear you, right? <laughs> right. You know." And who was he telling this to? I don't know if he was on the phone. I think he was on the phone, okay. like talking. To, yeah, okay. he was super loud. I was like, "Oh my god!" Because yeah, I was gonna say, if it was a hygienist, more than likely they were also uh, a female. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> oh man, I heard. I was in. A, oh man, oh, on Thursday the hygienist. There's this old guy, and um, the hygienist walked in. He started talking to her. He was like, "Are you married?" And I'm just like, "I know." It. And, <laughs> and he's like, "Cause you look good. Like you can be married." It's like, "I know I can be married." And I, it made me think about like, man, like to be a woman in this industry, mm -hmm. like the, the type of nonsense <laughs> that you have, you have to, deal to with. put up with. Like I was like, God. That's, that's tough. That is so tough. It is. Let, let me ask you something, man. So. This, the, the, the story that you're telling is a very common story for a lot of us that have worked in Medicaid or DSHS offices. So, so there's, there's got to be some common threads. Why is it that there seems to be such a lack of organization, lack of structure that burns out a lot of good-meaning, well-intentioned providers? Um, because it, it does not seem that hard. And we do this in private practice all the time. But I've worked in, you know, early on in my career and, and you know, kind of throughout speckled in there. And it just seems to be this common theme of if it's a predominantly Medicaid or Medicare office, you know, or the VA for that, that instance, I'm experiencing that now, there's just a lot of chaos. So, you know, um, again, I can only speak from my own experience, but... I noticed there was a ton of turnover in front. Mm -hmm. All right. And there's not, um, when there's that turnover, it's like rapid. There's not a continuity, continuity of training um, from one person to the next. Uh, they're kind of just thrown in there. Uh, so then it's like you're, and we've all experienced this, like you're saying the same thing over and over uh, to the front because it's all, there's always a new person. Right. Um, so I think a lot of that has to do with the turnover in the front. I feel like if you had, you know, someone who had been working in the front in the same office for, I don't know, three years, that there would probably be a lot more um, organization right. um, 
and that you know but just, and do you think that's a pay issue or what um, do you think is driving that so i mean it, it could be i know like one office i went to oh my god i think it had five managers um oh jesus uh, during the time i went there and um like i mean there were I had a patient say to me, I've seen you more than uh, seeing the same people at the front desk. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, I would come here once a month. Like, <laughs> I'm doing root canals. Like, you know, like, that's, that's right. insane. Right. Um, right. So, the, the, so I think, I think it might be a patient. Like, it might be, um, uh, an uh, issue of, Making it could be a lateral move in their career, or it could mm -hmm. be you know maybe this office is, is going to pay me two dollars more an hour, uh, right. so I'm going to go over there. Because um, yeah. the reason I asked that, I was trying to lead into we've got low reimbursements mm -hmm. from Medicaid. At what for you? Okay, as a personal, I guess, uh, decision. At what pay would this stress and this burnout have been a fair compensation to where you said, all right, you know what? This is kind of crazy. I feel like I'm burning out, but they pay me pretty good because right now we're also looking at the turnover of the endodontics provider as well as the front office staff. Um, so do you think that there would be a price point at which you could have put up with that a lot longer? And maybe that's what's also affecting the other positions in this office? Um. So I, I'm going to say yes, but in that, you know, everybody's number is different. Um, so like when I go to work, I'm pretty much expecting that I'm going to take home this, this amount every day. Right. Um, so if they had compensated me where I was taking home the same amount I would have in the other office, then I mean, yeah, I probably would have. Uh, put up with it more, or I probably I'm not going to put it on myself. I probably would have um, dug deeper into trying to get the front organized. Because mm. uh, at some point, like, like I know I'm going to get paid if I show up, um, if I see one patient, or if I see fifteen patients. Right. right. Um, I'm gonna. I'm you know, might not be the same amount, but you know, I'm going to get paid regardless. Um, and I'm. Now I'm tired of having to tell the same thing over and over and over to the front. So you kind of just give up on it. And just like, I'm just gonna ride the wave back here. And, you know, what happens, happens. Like there were times where I was like, we're not even gonna follow the schedule. Right. Um, the first patient that comes, <laughs> first patient that comes, they wanna do the treatment, we're gonna do the treatment. Next patient that comes that we see, they wanna do the treatment, we're gonna do it, you know? Um, yeah. So you kind of like, you know, you get, you get tired of having to say the same thing over and over, and then yeah, yeah. So and I see that that's, that's burnout. I, I it it is, and I've seen that even. Um, I the reason I thought of that is at the VA, there's this common expression of like, well, it's the VA; they don't pay me enough to fix that problem, <laughs> right? So it's like even if you're if you have if you are motivated, you have drive. When you're in an institution that that that's not the top down culture, is efficiency. And you know, patient outcomes. 
it's it, you, you, at one point you just give up. You go, all right, you know, I I can only give so much to this job, especially at this price point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, you know, just listening to that, and again, I'll play the devil's advocate, but just listening to that, it almost seems like the only person that ends up suffering is the person that could not afford to get other medication or other uh, insurance, right? So the Medicaid pa patient seems to be the end result, the person, the only person that seems to suffer because you yourself, you said it, right? Hey, I'm done with this. I'm moving on somewhere else. The front office, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. But the only person that has to stay is the Medicaid patient. Now, how right is that? You know? I mean, I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that's probably why I stayed doing it as long as I did. Um, you know, like these people, these people need help, you know. Um, but, you know, you can't, um, you can't put your own health, health, yeah, mental health at yep. risk to help someone else. Like if you're, if you're not good, you, you know, you, you're not in a state to help other people. Right. So we'll we'll sum it up. We'll ask you to kind of sum up, you know, what you could possibly do in this situation and what you learned in this situation to kind of either better it and also just kind of what you learned overall to give to the next generation that might want to think about doing the same thing. Um, I'd say if you if you really want to do it, um, I don't think you can do it part time. Um, I think you need to, you got to do it full time. Uh, so then you're like fully invested uh, in a way to make it um, organized and productive. Because if you're doing it part time, you're really not putting um, all of your energy and you're trying to make it productive and organized. Because you're like, ah, you know, I'm like, I'm like, three of the month, you know? Um, but it's definitely, um, there's again, there's tons of patients, and um, and they need help, so they're there. Um, like if you ever are in a situation where you're like, I'm not seeing enough patients, they got some over there. They got, they have the patients. Um, but yeah, I'd say you need to be fully invested. Because um, if you're not, then you know you're not going to. You're not going to. It's not going to last that long. Then you get tired. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. Yeah, it actually, um, it really sums up everything. I mean, in the end, I guess we can't really, we can only do but so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Your mental health is close. There you go. It sounds like Dr. Horton, um, I don't know. We can't, yeah, we can't hear oh, him. Yeah, we lost his mic. Well, what we'll do is we'll just, yeah, we'll just assume that, you know, he had the same kind of brilliant question that I had and that, <laughs> and you answered it so eloquently for both of us, you know, <laughs> but honestly, Dr. Dennis, we know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come on the episode, you know, once again. And uh, I do want to have a discussion with everybody, all the specialists about if we believe specialty is dying, because I truly believe that. <laughs> I truly, I truly believe that especially he's dying and we'll bring you on to, to talk about that. I know, I know that's a trigger point for you. I get it, but that's the point. So we'll talk about that next year. We'll talk, we'll bring you back on and we'll it's have not dying. 
It, okay. All right. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about your love for Porsche and uh, your hatred for Tesla. <laughs> all right. Hey, I thank you, gentlemen. We'll, yeah, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tooth Be Told. The opinions on this episode are just that, our opinions. Please consult your dental professional before taking any action with your dental health. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, please contact us at Real Dentist with an S. That's R-E-A-L, Dentist with an S, at gmail.com. We would be very happy to return any message that we receive because we love the communication that we have with our listeners.